0: You're listening to LocalJobNetwork.com Radio, and it's time for the LGN Radio Quad, where our radio hosts talk about any and all topics that are employment-related. Hi, everyone. I'm Lynn Molitor, and joining me in the quad today is Tim Yuma. Hello, everybody. Jamie Gobel. Hello. And Roselle Rogers. Hi there. So, uh, we've got another um, busy agenda today, and Tim, you're going to kick us off.
1: Thanks, Lynn. Uh, so I saw something recently about a former ABC News anchor. His name is Dan Harris. And about 10 years ago, uh, when doing a news report, he actually started to have a panic attack on the air, just kind of stress getting to him and some other items. And, um, you know, it's interesting because as a reporter, someone on TV, you're being watched by thousands, if not millions of people, depending on the situation. Um, so it's not exactly a private moment and you obviously struggle with that. And then he came out with a book recently that kind of talks about what happened and that he's not obviously the only one and how work got to him and how he tried to cope with it. So entangling all that, my curiosities were for the rest of you is that when you do get to a point, maybe not to where he was at, but where there's a lot of stress or things are just really getting to you, you know, what are your suggestions for how you handle it or or really take any angle with this of, you know, has that happened to you? Have you seen that? Um, Just to get sort of varying perspectives. Uh, I I haven't read the book personally yet, but it does sound very interesting. I know Roselle uh, seemed interested in as well. And um, just because depending, no matter what your job is, it probably gets you at some point or some aspect of your life or a combination of both. So I just want to kind of get the take of all of you and, and your experiences.
2: I think this is a great topic. I mean, I think just life in general today is stressful. There's so much on our plates. We're very fast paced, lots of tasks to do. And I think the more we have, the more easily it is to become overwhelmed, which can kind of spiral some of these feelings or um, you know events that he's talking about that he experienced can happen to anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I myself, anybody that knows me knows I am very fast paced and I do (laughs) have a lot on my plate. And um, so I tend to you know, get overwhelmed from time to time. I don't know when it's gonna come out of the blue where, you know, it's just a normal everyday life, and then all of a sudden one day it's like, ooh, that's too much today. And when I have those moments, I think for myself, I, I do some of the things that he had mentioned, like meditating, mm-hmm. exercising. Um, during the work day, if I'm having a day like that, I make sure that at lunch I go grab fifteen, twenty minutes of fresh air, just go take a walk, clear my head. Um, if I'm working on a task that's really giving me a challenge, I'll kind of take a break from it for just a little bit and work on something else that I know that I really enjoy that's a little bit more calming in nature. And that seemed to help me a lot. I don't know if that helps.
1: Oh, yeah. I, mean, that's what I, think. Oh, yeah. I, I think any little tips for anybody because, as I said, I'm sure everybody's experienced, at least on some level, what he had. I and mean, we don't want it to get to the point where, you know, it's a complete breakdown and, and who knows where you go from there.
3: Yeah, I look at it more like debits and credits. So, there are some activities that use up my energy, and there are some activities that I need to do to replenish it. Mm-hmm. So, I need to be careful to replace what I use up. So, what are some of those type of activities for me that help, you know, re-energize me? Those are sleeping, <laughs> reading, <laughs> me time, um, and spending time with my family, and then traveling to me is relaxing. So, but for me, the most important there is sleep. that you know the things when I don't have enough, uh, of sleep, I know that I don't function well um, and I can't focus uh, well. I mean, so my functioning level is just very low, both emotionally, physically, and mentally.
0: Well, and sometimes just getting some sleep and waking up fresh in the morning puts a different perspective on things. Definitely. And then kind of com- makes you calm and refreshes you. And it doesn't look as bad as it may have the day before. I know, for me, um, and you kind of alluded to this as well, Rosal. Um, it's alone time. It's like when I'm getting stressed or whatever. I definitely have a need for alone time, and we've talked in the quad in the past. Um, you know, I enjoy driving by myself, mm-hmm. but my but my ride is very short, <laughs> so that alone time isn't always enough. <laughs> You know, I do tell people it's like sometimes you just need to be alone. And I think a lot of times the stress comes from trying to answer to a lot of different people all throughout your day. And then you go home and then there's a whole new set of people that have no idea what (laughs) you just spent the last eight hours doing. So true. So the demands on you are so much greater. So I definitely value alone time. And I know what I do in my personal life, I try and say no. I don't overcommit, mm-hmm. and so sometimes that means I have to say no, um, especially like during a work week. Um, sometimes I get invited to things, and it sounds like fun, but I know when that day comes, and depending on what what the day is, I'm probably not going to feel like doing it. And then I'm going to be tired and then it'll be a chore and it won't be fun. So sometimes I just, I won't, I won't overcommit.
1: When I like Roselle, one thing you mentioned as far as sort of understanding yourself and knowing that if you don't get enough sleep, you're going to feel this way. I think that is a big part is knowing Mm -hmm. sort of what those pressure points are, or maybe signs uh, that you are starting to get to that point. You know, Jamie, you said you might get that feeling. Don't try to push through it. Don't try to be tough. Take, take that time when you need it. Uh, Because I do think that our bodies, of course, do give us signs, whether it's like a migraine or you just get really hot. You know, I think that does occur. Uh, So I do think it's important to just understand, happens to everybody, go take your time, do what you need to do, because even if you you have to take a half a day off, that's better than reaching a point where you're gone for a week or medical problems pop up. I mean, I just think, I think that's what this lesson from Dan Harris is trying to teach you, that it's not worth getting to that point as much as you think it's necessary. True. I think it's
2: a good point, too, that you won't be your personal best. You're going to be no good to anyone or yourself if you're feeling that way. So all the things that he mentioned and that we're talking about is really just taking a step back and letting your body, you know, rejuvenate so you can be your best. Mm
0: -hmm. All right. Well, that was a great topic, although I don't think we heard any of your ideas on what you do, Tim. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I I guess I don't know. I don't have anything specific. I, I think it is just taking that that step away and. um Sleep is always nice, but I'm kind of a night owl, so I probably I probably hurt myself with that more than anything. But uh, I don't know. I guess I get, I get lost in sports a lot, so I'll, I'll take that one. Reading, listening, that kind of thing.
0: All right. So moving on, uh, we often talk about customer service in the quad. And Jamie, you're going to tell us about today's topic, which is customer service.
2: Yes. Well, I always love this topic. I think customer service is so important to any organization. So sometimes I leave myself walking away feeling uh, a little bit curious as to what people's customer service training is and what's important to them as an organization. And I always think, you know, I want to make sure they know what areas they're doing well in. And if I have a poor experience, I'd love to tell them that too so they can improve upon it because maybe they have a great product or they have a great restaurant or whatever it may be that could be doing so much better if they just knew this feedback. But I will say I'm really good at it internally in my own job in terms of soliciting feedback from customers and receiving it well. But I'm not as good or as comfortable, I guess, giving that feedback to the customer if it is negative feedback or something maybe they need to improve upon. So I'm just curious from you guys, what types of things do you decide to bring forward? And maybe why or when do you decide it's that right moment to actually bring it forward to somebody?
3: I know exactly what you're saying, I mean, cuz I don't want to sound like a complainer or a whiner either, and that's right. sometimes what holds me back. So for the most part, I let the tip the, the size of the tip that I leave behind speak for myself in terms of what how I value the service that was provided to me. But there are certain times where the service is so disappointing that you just have to speak up cuz you're not doing the man any service by letting it go. So like for example, on a recent trip, um, our bags got delayed. Uh, by more than 12 hours. So they gave us a delivery time and we adjusted our departure time because we were leaving for Chicago the next day. And um, we just adjusted. No big deal. We know it happens. So we didn't make a big deal out of it. But then the time came and went and still no bags (laughs) arrived. We were pushing towards our departure time. So we had to call them and then only to find out the plane carrying our bags hasn't left yet and it will be further delayed. So I guess in that situation, to me, that was cause for escalation. Then we had to ask for uh, a supervisor. There was nothing that supervisor could do to get our bags here sooner. Mm-hmm. But at least they had, they were able, we were able to give them feedback in terms of it would be easier for a customer to take bad news if you're more proactive at telling the customer about it. Um, and I think that's the feedback they needed to hear: is that we wouldn't have known about it if we didn't have to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I think that's the feedback that I had for the supervisor. And then they were very responsive. And uh, a week later, they gave us uh, an official letter saying that they're going to be working with the station manager to try and work on customer service at the airport. (laughs) So they're more responsive to their customers. So they had to hear that. And and then that's when I thought that was cause for escalation. I'm sure
2: those other travelers will really appreciate that in the future, too. (laughs) Maybe you'll get like a
1: plaque that, you know, this has changed (laughs) thanks to Roselle Rogers.
2: Did you get a gift certificate (laughs)
3: or or just a letter? No, we just got a letter. We weren't really looking for that. We just wanted our bags home. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm kind of in the same boat with you, Roselle. I'm not too big of a complainer in most cases. I mean, maybe internally I'll think it or feel it that way, like you said, Jamie. But especially if it's in a service type area, like I... I don't envy most of those individuals. I, I think, you know, they're helping other people for the most part. Um, but when it does get to the extreme, both on positive or the negative side, that's when I feel the the need, again, positive or negative to bring it up either to that individual, if if that sort of it's appropriate in that case, or to their manager, supervisor. So I, I guess you kind of look at it like a, a chart in some way that if they're between these numbers, good or bad, it's fine. You know, it happens. I mean, they're having a bad day, you know, or the service is, it's really good, but it's not beyond what I would expect. But if they really take it to that next level, I think they should know it. They should be able to feel good about it or even maybe more importantly, their supervisor should know about it so they can give them that feedback and then they can use them as a positive influence on the other people who work there. Same thing on the negative side. I don't want to do it to be mean or to be rude, but for one, especially if it's in a service area and you're talking about tips and stuff, like, hey, I just want to let you to know you're costing yourself money in this case. Um and possibly work depending on how your employer sees it. And on the other side, I don't want you know maybe a friend of mine comes in this restaurant. I don't want them to have that bad experience because maybe the food is great, but I mean we all know it can be ruined by that that customer service. So um, that's kind of the the same tact I take. If it's on the extremes, it's worth bringing up. If it's in that sort of middle ground area, I understand it happens. No big deal. I but obviously I think for most people it's harder to give that negative side because you don't you don't want to be mean. You don't know, maybe they're just having a bad day, but something should probably be said for the benefit of everybody, really.
0: Well, and that's interesting, uh, Tim, because this makes me think of um, our, there's a restaurant in our building down on Uh, the lower level. And I think Uh a (laughs) lot of us, a lot of us (laughs) like to grab a sandwich from there and it is like super slow service. Mm. And so, we, like, wait in line. We probably spend 25% of our lunch hour waiting for food, and then that gives us 75% to sit around, and then we sit around and talk about <laughs> how bad the service is down there, and they probably don't realize that they're literally uh, losing customers mm. because sometimes it goes so slow in there. People will walk in, and then they'll walk out. Wow. And that is one of that is one of those examples. It's like I think we all struggle with: should we let this restaurant know mm-hmm. for our own for our own personal reasons, as well as for them as a business, they could do a lot better. So and when know. it's
2: funny that you bring that up, because that's actually what sparked my topic. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> to be <laughs> honest, um, we had talked about it earlier in the week, and it's one of those things where it is more of a common theme and trend that we've noticed versus a one-time mm-hmm. thing or somebody having a bad day. So, sure. um, you know, it's a really good business overall that I feel like as a business owner, they would want to know. So they I'm kind of struggling because, you know, I'm hoping somebody else will step up and do it, but nobody <laughs> probably has. So this feedback's really helpful. Thank you.
1: You know, well, the last thing I always just want to say is maybe sometimes take a look at yourself too, because it might be something you're doing or saying that's bringing this on, not intentionally, but just subconsciously, because I think of my mother in law and she knows this. There's one restaurant that she will go to and she says it's always bad service. Well, me and anyone else who goes there says no, it's great there. So uh, something might be different. Just just check yourself as well. Make sure you're not doing something to bring that on. I'm just gonna throw well, that out.
0: There. That is interesting because I know um I will engage with people that I see on a on a regular basis, and they are pro- providing me good customer service. Hmm. You know, I'll engage with them, right. hey, how's it going, uh, just my mannerisms. Yes. And I used to always do that downstairs um, <laughs> with the restaurant that we're talking about. But now there's no time for that. Hmm. You know, I can't even take the the 10 seconds to open <laughs> up the door and say, hey, how's it going? Because I may get an answer that may take... You know, five minutes, that is going to slow me down. So I think that's how I give people feedback in a very hidden way. (laughs) I like what
3: Tim said, though, because sometimes how you open the conversation will influence what kind of service you will get. Mm. So if you are nice to flight attendants, you will get excellent service. But if you're not, then you will get a similar kind of service. (laughs) So I guess some of it is within your control. Some of it is not.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. All right. So as always, we have a lot of interesting things to talk about. And Roselle, you have our next segment, and hopefully it will help us prepare for the quickly changing world we are living in.
3: Well, there was an article that came out about top 10 jobs that are disappearing, which I shared. So I thought it would be a good idea to dive into this topic and discuss what these jobs are, why why this is happening, what the implications are to the workers, to our educational system, uh, to the labor market and to the economy as a whole. Let's start with the jobs they identified, and this is based on data that uh, came from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Mm-hmm. Number one, mail carriers. Due to the increased use of email and online bill pay, uh, fewer and fewer postal workers will be needed in the future. Uh, meter readers. Uh, electronic meter readers now allow utility companies to view meter data without physically going on site. Um, travel agents. More and more travelers are planning their own vacations using online travel websites. Uh, lumberjacks, because <laughs> more and more products <laughs> are going online and going digital, that there is lesser and lesser demand for traditional paper products. So there's a common thread that we're seeing here. It's the technological advances have rendered many of the jobs that relied on older technologies become obsolete. And it has allowed companies to automate production uh, and require less workers. But this is not a new trend, though. Mm -hmm. It has been happening for ages. Old technology goes away, new technology replaces it. But I think what's alarming in recent years is that the rate at which technology has really leaped forward is so great that this is happening at a faster and faster rate with more frequency. And so it impacts a lot more workers now and a lot more occupations now, whereas in the past, it's probably a lot slower. Um, So... I want to get your thoughts on this in terms of what do you think this means to the labor market? What does this mean to colleges and institutions? And what does it mean to economies as a whole?
0: I know the first thing that I looked at was that the first example was the mail carrier. And this is one where, again, I go back to customer service. And um, it's really unfortunate with um, what's gone on with the U.S. mail. Because um, I still am sending out cards to family and friends throughout the year. Mm-hmm. But I have to say that I've been disappointed with the customer service um, for my own neighborhood and just going into the into the retail stores that um, you know, they had a monopoly and they've really lost it. And I think some of it could be to their own, their own doing. Not totally. I mean, Mm -hmm. technology really took off. But I think that's where you really need people leading the way nowadays to see it coming um, before it really starts hitting your bottom line. And I'm I'm more of an implementer. I'm not a strategic thinker. And I think you really need strategic thinkers now in some of these businesses to identify when the tide is changing. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. Because there like, is room for it. There is room for the Postal Service to insert itself in, in what's happening now. Yes. Because like, for example, the fulfillment side of, let's say, the, the online purchases and the shi- the shipping yep, and delivery right. of that, there is room for them
0: there.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot. I think that's a really good point, Lynn. And I think that, um, you know, service is a big part of it. And if they can find additional ways to add value, online can't do everything to you know, your point, Roselle, in terms of fulfillment. But I think if there's areas of their business that maybe they touch on, that they could expand upon, they're going to add more value and similarly related things. They could strategic think, to your point, and find opportunities there. Um, It will be really interesting to see not just this list, but you know, other jobs that will disappear because of everything that's going on in in the economy, with you know healthcare costs rising, and you know um, tough time finding certain fields of positions too. So, I think this is just one component of it, but it, but it is a scary thing that could it impact is. things in a big yeah. way.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Roselle, you know, I think you hit on the head that technology has always been changing, but it has accelerated so quickly that people are having a hard time just keeping up, whether it's updating their skills or just understanding what's my role anymore. And I think that's what, you know, looking at it from the individual side that people can try to do no matter what field you're in, is to sort of take an inventory of even the place you're at. Because as you said, Roselle, they may need fewer workers, so they may be looking to downsize. Maybe it's because of the cost of healthcare or, or maybe whatever other reason um, that you need to look around and see, okay, how can I fit in? Where can my skills where maybe it was just a kind of a customer service aspect. Where can I transfer that into something else within this organization? Or if, you know, heaven forbid, I am laid off, I can take it somewhere else. Um, I had an interview the other day that was interesting. She brought up a strategy for job seekers that's called SWOT. And it's when you look at the organization and you figure out that organization's strengths, their weaknesses, where there's opportunity, so it does SWO, <laughs> and then threats, where there are threats to them. And if you really break that down, you'll probably be able to find an area where you can fit in. And if you're having trouble, I mean, my suggestion would be find something within that field where technology plays a role and get some schooling for it. I mean, whether it's online, whether it's one night a week at a university that's nearby, a technical college, I mean, that's a great place to do that. Because as you mentioned, Roselle, with all of these places, all these jobs that are kind of going by the wayside, it's in large part because technology. Right. But that also means there's opportunity in technology in somehow in that facet. So I would say for the individuals or for schools that that's where the focus is going to be. Is we don't want these places to be gone, but we got to find different angles and different ways to be valuable within that organization.
0: Yeah, exactly. It, it will be interesting to see as the generations turn over, mm-hmm. and you've got a generation that's growing up with technology. I think then they'll be more used to having to to reevaluate their careers and do different things. Yep, thank you Because you're right. I mean, it eliminates
3: certain section of jobs, but it creates new work. So maybe the production work is going away, but now there's a demand for new skills, somebody mm-hmm. to program that machine, somebody to run that machine, and how is how are people responding
1: to it? Mm-hmm. And look, it's tough to make that transition. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I went back Very. to school, and I know a lot of people have done that too. And I mean, it's just... Unfortunately, that might just might be the route you have to go.
0: All right. So moving on, I, I, we're losing our time quickly. <laughs> um, so I'm going to close out the quad this week, uh, taking inspiration from our own localjobnetwork.com offices. And... Um, I shared an article with all of you, and it was how music affects your productivity. So when I heard this, I thought, well, now this is an interesting topic because in our offices, we actually play XM radio um, throughout the day. And I know uh, when I first came here, I was like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to be able to um, to work in this environment? Because I'm one of those, I prefer quiet And I still actually do prefer quiet, but now I have to admit that I've embraced the music atmosphere and it really does like get me going during the day, depending on the right music. Mm. And I think it does uh, keep me in better spirits and a sense of liveliness and which would uh, translate into productivity. So I was just curious as to, are you thumbs up or thumbs down in terms of music in the workplace?
2: I'll start us off I think it's great I mean obviously I've been here for eight years and I'm on the sales floor which is the lively side of the <laughs> building and I think without it it would really have a lack of energy so from that standpoint I really love it um, I also work with more of our sales support department which does a lot more task oriented things where for them I notice sometimes they have you know their earbuds in and they're listening to things as they're kind of Pounding out different task oriented things throughout the day and they can focus really quickly on them. And it is interesting because I tend to not do well with that if it's like right in my ear, but if it's more background noise, I do Mm -hmm. okay. So I think it kind of varies in terms of what the task is, which they did talk about a little bit in this article Mm Um, where some people like in technology might be really into it for certain things as far as creativity and kind of the way their mind works, as well as some of those other creative type positions. So I think it kind of varies. There was a study published
3: decades ago. Here I am again with my studies. (laughs) (laughs) I tend to reference those a lot. (laughs) That listening to music helps improve your spatial reasoning ability. And that's the one that helps you visualize problems and see patterns. And this is also what helps you do well in nonverbal reasoning IQ tests. Remember those? (laughs) Um, And helps you learn a new language or a new instrument and helps you do well in math, too. So I'm not surprised that they say it improves productivity uh, and stimulates creative juices in certain tasks because of that. It definitely is true for me because when I'm listening to no lyric music, then it mm-hmm. helps relax me and then enables me to focus more. But I, I tend to feel that when it's playing lyric music, then it kind of distracts me. For some reason, my mind or my brain is trying to listen to the words. And then it, it, instead of helping me focus, it helps. It, it it distracts me even further. So my mind is kind of learning to tune it out instead of absorbing it or listening to, to it.
1: Yeah. And you're exactly right with the lyrics. I know a lot of studies have mentioned that, how if you're trying to perform a task, your brain wants to hear the words, but if it's just the music, you can just kind of take it in. And the funny part is, for me, I've done this since I was, I mean, probably too young to have been doing it with homework and all that kind of stuff. I'd always have music on or something, but I'll know that I'm focused on what I'm doing when all of a sudden I finish my task and whatever I was listening to, like say a podcast for half an hour, (laughs) I have no idea what they're talking about. But I had that background. I sort of somewhat distract my brain but I focused on what I needed to. So everybody's got to find their own their own niche and how it works for them. But I would say, yes, overall, music, always a positive.
0: Okay, interesting. Interesting ideas for people who are in a quiet work environment. Well, that is all the time we have. In fact, I think we're over our time today. So back to the rest of the business of the day. As always, feel free to send a message to LGN Radio at localjobnetwork.com and let us know what you would like us to talk about in the LGN Radio Quad. You can also follow us on Twitter at the LJN and use hashtag LJN Radio. Hope you are able to eradicate at least some of your stress and simply enjoy work and life more. Be happy. Consider adding some music to your workday to alleviate boredom and boost your productivity. Have a great week, everyone. For Tim Yuma, Jamie Goebel, and Roselle Rogers, I'm Lynn Molitor. Thanks for listening.